Welcome back, Padawans, to episode 25 of the JMR Podcast. I'm your host, Jelani, a.k.a. Jedi Master Ren, and I'm going to take y'all on a trip to a galaxy far, far away. On tonight's journey, we'll discuss Ubisoft officially hiring for their Star Wars project, Cal Kestis potentially getting some new Force abilities in Jedi Survivor, PUBG's steady growth, and more. Now, guys, as I say every week, if you like what I'm doing here, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll really help sub, um, support the show and reach more Padawans. You can follow the show on Twitter at the JMR Podcast to get any updates on schedule changes or when a new episode has been posted. There are also links there for you to send in any hologram audio messages to be featured on the show as well. I know I haven't gotten any in the um, as of recent or as of late, but they are there on the Twitter. Um, they are, um, I believe they're pinned at the very top, so you guys can go there, use those, and send them in if you would like. Now, if you are a regular listener, guys, you already know about Zox and my love for them. And as a Zox ambassador, I want to share my love of this brand with you guys, the listener. So you can use my code Jelani40328 at Zox.LA. That is J-E-L-A-N-I 40328. That'll get you 10% off your first strap whenever you buy it. So if you guys are looking, perusing the website, check that out. Um, and you find something that you want, use that code. Get yourself a, a little discount on there. And again, full disclosure, I haven't said it uh, in recent weeks, but this is not a sponsorship. This is just because I am a part of the Zox Ambassador program. I signed up for it myself because I just love this brand and I want to help, you know, get the word out. So that's what I'm doing. And again, let's talk about my socks of the week real quick. So uh, this week I had decided to wear a purple shirt to work one day, just a purple polo. And I was like, um, you know, I had this strap that was been kind of floating around the um, the house as of late. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna put that on because it'll match the shirt and I haven't really worn it in a, in a little bit. So I decided to put this one on and it basically is a rendition of uh, Moby Dick. So that's what the whole point is. And they had it came in a collection that it had like four different books or novelizations that um, the strap was depicting. And I went with the Moby Dick one because it's purple. Purple's my favorite color. So I had to. And so that's what I decided to wear this week. Now, let's jump to hyperspace. Ooh, all right, guys. All right, now that we are safely in light speed, let me first touch on my one Jedi training of the week. So I have found myself in a bit of a rut. And again, I've I said that multiple times in the last, like, uh, I feel, couple of months. And I feel like it's just because we're in our little dry season right now. And I mean, I am, you know, engorging games, don't get me wrong, but it's just like I'm not finding the right thing to really scratch that itch. And... I am seeing, you know, what I find myself thinking more and more about is Elden Ring. I just keep thinking of Elden Ring. And, you know, I do think by the end of this uh, week here, probably uh, come August 22nd, when Saints Row drops, that's probably going to get me out of my rut because that's really what I've been waiting for this whole summer is uh, Saints Row because I cannot wait to hop into that. So um, next week we actually will have a hype check on Saints Row and where I'm at with my hype levels for that game and kind of where... What I, what my expectations are, you know, um, I think I'm going to get into their um, the Boss Factory. I got it downloaded on the PlayStation right now, so I do want to check that out for next week. So we'll be touching on that. But uh, this week, the only thing that I really got into was Elden Ring. And it's because, you know, the area that I was at previously when we last discussed was um, Siofra River. That's the underground area that I was at. So obviously I got back in there, was able to find out the name finally, and I was like, good. So, 
I decided, you know, I want to get farther in and I want to see more. And again, as I said earlier, or as I said last week, there was this lift and I wanted to find out where this lift went to. So I, I had the notion and my, you know, my theory was that the pillars were being lit so that you could unlock the, uh, the lift. Long story short, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. The lift just leads into someplace in Caleb. That's all it is. It's just it it brings you back up to the uh the main the main um map. But the and, and so those candles there had nothing to do with anything. I don't know why the cuz I I went up to the gargoyle that you're supposed to uh be able to get to and I don't know why. I guess I might not have I might have thought I didn't have any um stone sword keys to unlock it at the time. I had 3 of them when I went over there, so I easily could have just unlocked it then and figured out where it was. But Long story short, it is what it is. That's just a random lift to get you back up. So it's not really anything important. What those pillars actually were, I finally got to the last one. And I'm obviously, I'm going around and I'm exploring. I'm just trying to see, you know, what else I can find down here in Siofa River. And I um, am finding more and more um, pillars. And that is when I start to understand, okay, I really don't think that the pillars have to do with the, you know, the, the candles that I found around that lift because I had already, I, I, you know, I said there were four lit and, or there were four candles and only three of them were lit. So I'm like, maybe I have to light the fourth one and then that will unlock it. Well, I had found at least two more pillars that I had unlocked or two more pillars, um, that I lit on fire and, I, that, at that point, that brought me up to like five. And I knew, I was like, okay, well, now I'm already exceeded four. So this is not it. I ended up finding one more pillar. And once I lit it, it told me, hey, there is a source of power near here or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. So right at the very beginning of this part that you're in, and it's like when you're really getting into Siofra, uh, it's, it's um, you get to a site of grace and then... That's where you find your first pillar, and that's where you light that first one. And then as you right past it, right to the right of the pillar, you see a staircase that leads up to um, a, I think it's, it might be Hawthorne Grounds. I might be mistaken on that name. It's some kind of grounds, though. And I guess I didn't realize that when I lit the pillar one of those it has eight pillars going all the way up to the top and they all look very they all look similar to the ones that you're going around and lighting and each of them is reminiscent of one of those pillars on the staircase that you're lighting so as soon as you lit that first one there it actually lights the one on the staircase and then you can see what you're doing and or you can see oh okay so that's tied to this i must have missed that guys I obviously missed that because I had no idea what I was lighting. I was like, cool, lighting this thing. It asked me to. I obviously have to do it for something. I'll find out eventually. You know what I mean, bro? So I now understand I need to, when I'm triggering things in that nature, I need to be aware of my surroundings and attentive of what the game world is telling me. Because obviously, if I would have just seen that, I would have immediately understood what I, what I needed to do. Now, um, I did explore up there. And be, before I had gotten it unlocked, um, before I lit all eight of the pillars, I went and uh, explored up there and there was a dead corpse on the ground. And I had a feeling that this was going to be a boss. I was like, I just, I have a feeling. So as soon as I got that notification 
that there was a, a source of uh, power nearby. I was like, I bet it's that boss. And sure enough, when I go back and I see off eight of the pillars lit, I then realize, oh, okay, so that's what the pillars were for. They were to light these things, and I didn't catch that. So then you go all the way up, and you now that corpse is surrounded by a uh, blue flame or mist or, you know, whatever it is. And you touch it, and then you go, I, I would assume, I don't know where you're exactly going, but you then have to fight this boss. And I believe he is the, yeah, the ancestor spirit. So I go down there and that's where I stopped it for one night. I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta put it down. And cause I, I, I fought him and I fought him and I fought him and I got him halfway, you know, most of those times, but I just could not get any further. And I'm like, okay, I've got to, I know what I need to do. I did the same thing with Godric. I need to learn his attacks, figure out how to get around his attacks and then go forward with what I'm doing. So that's what I started to do, but I I still kept seeing myself, you know, dying repeatedly, and I'm like, you know what? It's time to put it down. So I put it down. That's where we're. That's where we left it. So I finally came back, and then when I came back, I was able to get him. Uh, not obviously not right at the beginning, but I was after about I'd say you know ten tries or so. I was able to get him down. Cool. So then I continue on my trek in Seofer River, and I'm trying to find again anything that I can. I believe I, th I, I uh, looked up a video just to see if there was anything that I could be missing. Turns out there was a um, a portal that leads to, and I, already, I had already found a portal in that first area, right when I told you where you find that site of grace. And um, it's like, oh, Seofer River really opens up right there. And that's where the first pillar is. Right past the pillar towards the left, there is a portal that will take you a little farther north on the map. But this portal is a separate one. This one actually takes you all the way on the on an upper level of Seofra River. So a new level to explore. So bam, I find that. I'm like, awesome. That's all I need. I do that. And now I'm up here. And now I start exploring and seeing what I can get into. <sighs> Long story short, after I'm done scavenging, come across this entity, being. Not an entity. It's not even a being. Either way. Come across this foe, we'll say. It's just in plain, you know, flat a flat area. Nothing else around him. It's obviously a battle area or a battle arena. Start going towards him. This is a boss. And I believe I I believe he's a great boss. I'm not 100% sure because I don't remember what it said. But either way, Dragon Skin Soldier. This dude's big. It's a big boy. And he moves real quick. And it's like he's half man, half dragon. And again, that's what your dragon skin soldier. So he does look like a soldier, but he also didn't have like any guts. Everything was out. And I was like, cool. All right. Uh, yeah. So I noticed, and I actually have a video. I had to take a, I had to take a clip out of this because I was just like blown away that this had happened. I had to actually uh, put the controller down for a split second because something something happened. I had to I, I had to run and go see what had gone down, and I come back and my character is literally just I am right in between this dude's the uh, his back knee, the crevice of his back knee, right, and that's where I was that that's where I've been attacking him. That's the 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 most um, efficient area that I found. So using that as part of my arsenal. That's where I was when I decided to put the controller down. And I come back, 
and I am literally still right between this dude's legs as he's moving. He's still attacking, and my character is just standing still, but I'm moving with him. So that's when I realized, okay, that is exactly where I need to be. That's some, for some reason, it's some glitch, but I'm using it. I'm capitalizing on this glitch. So I went in, and I finally was able to take him out. So... I told my buddies at work, I was like, look, that's really the last thing I need to do. I want to take out this dude because I found him and then I had to put a pause on him. I, I, I didn't do this in one day taking him out. I, I, I split that up over, um, I think, a day or two. I think I like I, I put it down and then I went back to it a couple or this uh, before I'm before recording tonight or today. And that's when I decided to do it. So um, I finally was able to get him. And after, you know, as I'm talking to the guys at work, they were like, look, after you do you should probably try to check out um, the Academy of Raya Lucario, or Lucario. And, you know, I thought that sounded familiar, and I told him that. And he, I was like, look, man, I'm going to get home, I'm going to look at the map, and I'm going to see, this was, I believe, Friday. And I was like, I'm going to see where I think it is, I'm going to take a picture of it, I'm going to uh, see if that's what you're talking about. I didn't end up doing that, um, but when I got into it today... I got on the map and I saw, okay, that's the Academy. And I know he specifically told me I should go to the Academy. And the reason he's telling me this is because there is chances for me to get um, a decent magical armor set, you know, uh, while traversing there and exploring there. So turns out, obviously, I I have a, a, a magical build right now. So turns out I actually was in that area before, you know? So I when I was trying to go on my trek to get a... Um, a piece of armor, there's just a piece of knight armor, just at the very beginning when I was trying to find some easy armor sets to get, I had to run through there to get to that armor set. So the area that I'm in, I literally went right in this area to get this armor set. But now I'm even past that area. So now I'm in uncharted territory. I'm back inside of the castle because you do have to come out of this structure and then go back into it. So I'm back in the structure now and I'm fighting sorcerers. So I am getting closer to what I'm trying to get to. Um, so that is where I decided to kind of pump the brakes on it for now. I probably am going to be touching on this again because I do want to get through um, the Academy just to see what goodies it has in store for me. But guys, let us get into our Holocrons of the night. I have four Holocrons for you. First Holocron we're going to touch on is by Screen Rant. This is from Maya Schultz. She writes, Aliens vs. Predator. We're long overdue a new AVP game. The Aliens vs. Predator games are highly acclaimed, but the last title was released in 2010. Prey shows that a follow-up is long overdue. The Aliens vs. Predator franchise was an iconic game series during the 1990s and 2000s, and it's about time a new AVP, a new AVP game was made. The Aliens vs. Predator games, which mostly consist of FPS and platform fighters, were inspired by the Dark Horse comic of the same name, which built on the ending of Predator 2 by pitting the Xenomorphs against the Yautja. Despite their popularity, however, the latest Alien vs. Predator game came out over 10 years ago, and given new installments in both the Alien and Predator franchises have released since, its absence is notable. The most recent title, Aliens vs. Predator, was one of the best-selling games of 2010, which included three separate campaigns for players to experience as a Xenomorph, Colonial Marine, and Predator, as well as a multiplayer mode that pit all three factions against each other. While the first few SNES and arcade games were side-scrolling fighters, 
Alien vs. Predator, released in 1999 for the PC, was an FPS that featured the aforementioned three factions. While the AVP franchise has laid dormant for the past decade, individual Alien and Predator games have been released, including Creative Assembly's acclaimed horror classic Alien Isolation, which launched in 2014. Given that both Alien and Predator film series have enjoyed continued success, with Prey releasing to a positive reception just this year, it would make sense for a new Alien vs. Predator game to capitalize on that. The film Alien Covenant came out in 2017, and a new Alien TV series in the works from Noah Hawley. Prey also teases potential Predator sequels, showing interest in high, um, is high in both franchises. With the power of current-gen consoles, a new Alien vs. Predator game has the potential to blow its predecessors out of the water and provide a truly authentic experience that lives up to the acclaimed sci-fi series. Alongside the enduring popularity of FPS games, new platform fighters such as Warner Bros. approachable fighting game multiverses and the upcoming League of Legends' themed Project L are seeing a resurgence in demand. In addition, the abundance of FPS games that feature aliens in science fiction worlds such as Returnal, Prey, and the Dead Space series attest to the genre's popularity. An Alien vs. Predator game could take the form of a retro-inspired fighting game, a first-person or third-person shooter, or something else entirely, but any form would correspond with the ever-popular theme in horror games of aliens and space exploration. There are few aliens as iconic as the Xenomorphs and the Zoutcha, so it stands to, re to reason that a new crossover could prove popular. Recent Alien and Predator games include Aliens Fireteam Elite and the poorly um, reviewed Predator Hunting Grounds, but neither had the polish or depth of the classic AVP titles. A new Aliens vs. Predator game could change that, and give both the Xenomorphs and the, Z and the Yautja the, the portrayals they deserve. With a new Alien project in the works and a considerable track record for PC and console games spanning back to 1994, here's hoping that the Alien vs. Predator makes a comeback sooner rather than later. Alright guys, I thought that was, you know, a little interesting uh, read to get into. You know, why are we not seeing any Alien vs. Predator games? And they may bring up a lot of good points here. You know, it, it, we do see a high level of interest in, um, you know... Exp uh, space exploration and sci-fi in our different video games that we see uh, come out across the years. And obviously, Alien Isolation, you know, I did play that, did not beat that game, did not get far in that game, but dear God, you want to know why I didn't? It's because it was so realistic and it scared the crap out of me. And I could not, I couldn't get through it. I just couldn't. So I understand, like, yeah, they are doing things separately and they are trying to, you know, still keep these IP in the in the public mind, in the public space, especially in video games, as we see. You know, they they've come out with the Alien Fire Team game, that they've come out with the like they said, the Predator Hunting Ground. So they're making efforts, but the efforts are kind of not pushing the needle that far. And why not put both of them back together in a game? You know, we've got new technology now. We've got uh, faster processors. You can do a lot more with an Alien versus Predator game, you know, 
if you're seeing like jumping around in the in the woods as the predator and you know using his different abilities going invisible and stuff like that and all that happening seamless while you're also have you know um your buddy playing as the alien that just it, it feels like this is the time for a resurgence of an alien versus predator game and honestly i feel like i would honestly be a little down for that because it does seem like with it being alien versus predator it's not going to be that much into the horror aspect of it yeah it's going to be um action focused for sure and there is going to be gore obviously but i don't think that it would be necessarily like a horror experience albeit like a um alien isolation like we spoke of earlier i just think that that's something that would be beneficial and something that we could use in the gaming space because again there is a drought we haven't seen any alien versus predator games as of late so i just think that that's something that needs to happen and again we're seeing robocop come back we're seeing still you know them working on terminator games now those Terminator games are not, like, you know, the best, but they're still there, and there are people, and they, it does have its audience, so that that is saying something, and if we see people, you know, they're gravitating towards these individual IPs when they're separate, we put them together, you're only going to make yourself more money, so I'm really waiting to see what, you know, what happens, because who knows if anybody's even really thinking about that hopefully that does change again who would have thought that we were going to get a robocop game in this generation but we are so i don't see i wouldn't hold it past aliens versus predator you know coming back i think i think it has a good shot at coming in all right guys but let's move over to our next holocron of the night this is from gamespot.com this is by eddie mccooch he writes PUBG adds eighty thousand new players every single day Crafton announces new stats about PUBG and how its business is performing overall. Crafton, the company that owns the, uh, and operates PUBG, has released its latest earnings report. In addition to financial figures, the report shines a light on how well the game is performing these days. Crafton said, PUBG for console and PC, which just recently celebrated its fifth anniversary, is growing steadily with more than 80,000 new players every day since the game switched to a free-to-play business model in January 2022. Crafton didn't say how many players might be leaving PUBG every day, however, nor did it provide any details on active players. Whatever the case, average revenue per user saw an uptick as well, rising 20% compared to last quarter. Specific revenue figures, however, were not disclosed. PUBG Mobile is doing big business too, contributing to Crafton's overall mobile, mobile revenue reaching $550.7 million during the first half of the year. Crafton's newer mobile game, New State Mobile, saw gains too, with total playtime and play frequency increasing during the latest quarter. In total, Crafton brought in $729.5 million in revenue during the first half of 2022, which was up by almost 3% year over year. Profit saw a bigger increase, jumping by almost 31% year over year to $338.4 million. That's good for the highest half year net profit in Crafton's history. For Q2 specifically, revenue dropped by 7.77% to $326.5 million, but total profit surged by 37.26% to $149.4 million. Looking ahead, Crafton is set to branch out beyond PUBG very soon, 
At Gamescom 2022's opening night live later this month, the company will officially announce the new turn-based sci-fi game with, um, from Unknown Worlds, which Crafton acquired in 2021. Additionally, the show will bring a new look at the Callisto Protocol, a horror game from, the Crafton, or from Crafton's Striking Distance Studios, and former Dead Space boss Glenn Schofield. Alright guys, so that is all we've got here, and that is very interesting. Again, knew that they that they were in the same PUBG universe, and I guess I never, I didn't understand why that was the case. I'm talking about Callisto Protocol. Never understood that was the case, and I didn't realize that they had owned, that. you know, the company that owns PUBG owns Glenn Schofield's studio. Like, that's wild. I did not realize that, and I'm sure... I'm sure I heard that somewhere, but I guess I just didn't, it did not register with me that they were under the same branch, and that's why. But definitely, yeah, do not, like, it makes sense that they kind of drew the line, and again, I'm going on a tangent, but it makes sense that they drew the line between Callisto Protocol and PUBG. You know, I, I think just making them the same and in the same universe just because, you know, your IP is under the same roof, I feel like that's doing too much. And I think everybody who was involved in that situation realized, yeah, I think we're doing too much, guys. Let's kind of reel that in a little bit. And I think better for it. Let PUBG be PUBG and let Callisto Protocol live on its own. But as we see here, PUBG is doing good. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I... <laughs> Holy crap, did I not realize that, you know, PUBG was even still a thing. And again, I know that PUBG is going, but like, I didn't know that it was still like being discussed and people were actively gravitating towards it new people were you know what i mean i thought it's just you know we're doing straight uh fortnite now fortnite warzone um apex like especially with apex going mobile now i just don't understand how pubg is still kicking it good for them good for pubg and those developers over there again the fact that this game was built from a mod and it's as popular as it is and really put Battle Royales, you know, on the map, where let's, let's be honest, like, if PUBG never did what it did, Fortnite wouldn't have pivoted and started doing what they're doing. Now, granted, Fortnite definitely has, is a bigger result in the boom for Battle Royales, because they have made the most money and have turned more company heads than PUBG did. However, that's because it was a free-to-play model, and PUBG had to pay for it. Now they're a free-to-play model, and they're starting to see that how that benefits them. And it's wild to think that they're getting 80,000 new players every day since they switched. You know, it's just, it's it's crazy. And again, awesome to see that they're making necessary changes to benefit, you know, the game as a whole, but also benefit the community. If they're bringing more players in, that means there are, you know, they, they don't have to, their players don't have to wait on lobbies to get full. They are easily getting full. So this is a good sign. It's a good sign for PUBG. I'm happy that they're still able to, you know, keep pushing it and keep doing these different things because that is, that shows that, you know, they're not out for the count just because there are these other, you know, battle royales that are, uh, that are out and that are trying to do similar things. They're not, they're still going hard. You know what I mean? So good on them. Cool to see, but let us move on to our next holocron guys. Now we're getting into the star Wars goodies. Let's do it. The force is strong with all of us here at the JMR podcast today. All right, let us discuss Ubisoft hiring for its big Star Wars video game project. This is from Game Rant by Kevin James Billings. I 
am so excited. I am so excited because again, I didn't think that this was, you know, in the works right now. I know that they've got it and that it's coming, but again, we've got to get out of 2023. We've got to see what happens there. And then we're going to start to see the fruition of these different companies and what they can do with the Star Wars IP. But obviously, too, Ubisoft is doing all kinds of different things right now, and they're trying to figure themselves out. So it is up in the air, and they've got other projects that they're trying to push out the door. So I knew that this was down the line, but the fact that they're hiring gets me excited. So let us read. He writes, Ubisoft's Toronto studio is looking to expand its roster of developers currently aiding the development of Massive Entertainment's Star Wars game. The moment the video game rights for Star Wars were no longer exclusive to Electronic Arts, several studios were quick to jump at the opportunity to work with Lucasfilm and its spiritual successor to LucasArts, Lucasfilm Games. One of those studios was Ubisoft quickly announcing a new Star Wars game in development under the watchful eyes of its Swedish developer, Massive Entertainment, in January 2021. It appears development may be picking up steam as Ubisoft is looking to expand its Toronto team helping Massive Entertainment's work on the upcoming Star Wars game. As mentioned above, Massive Star Wars game uh, Massive's Star Wars game was announced in January 2021 alongside several other projects following the end of EA's exclusive game license deal with Lucasfilm, including Massive's upcoming Avatar game called Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Ubisoft confirmed at the time this new Star Wars game will be an open-world title running on Massive's Snowdrop engine, which has effectively become Ubisoft's in-house engine since it was first developed alongside 2016's The Division. Little else is known about this new Star Wars game, and the belief is it may be several years before the public can get a good look at the game. Despite the potential weight, Ubisoft appears to understand the importance of this game and looks to be taking an all-hands-on-deck approach for massive Star Wars title by bringing on Ubisoft Toronto to support development. Ubisoft has since gone to social media, taking to Twitter, to share Ubisoft Toronto is hiring to expand its Star Wars-focused team. The post specifically asks for programmers and project managers who wish to join Ubisoft Toronto and Massive on this journey. Ubisoft Toronto hiring more developers for this Star Wars project isn't surprising as the studio is hard to work, hard at work on a Splinter Cell remake, also said to be running on the Snowdrop engine. Being one of the Ubisoft's more popular Tom Clancy-related series, Toronto's core development talent is likely focusing their attention on the remake and will be unable to work on any other projects for some time. That said, players can also take Ubisoft Toronto's involvement in the development as a good sign of Ubisoft's commitment to ensuring this title is successful. The studio has typically either led or supported the development of several major Ubisoft titles since it opened in 2010, the first being 2013 Splinter Cell Blacklist. More recently, it was able to turn out 2020's Watch Dogs Legion and 2021's Far Cry 6, thanks in part to the studio's now massive roster of 600 developers, highlighting how the studio will be able to work on the Splinter Cell remake and Star Wars game simultaneously. Massive Entertainment's Star Wars game is currently in development. All right, so that's all we got on this little update on the Ubisoft side and what's going on with their Star Wars game. And again, good to see. And it's nice to see that we're starting to go forward and we're starting to kind of, you know, uh, make those steps and start aligning ourselves. And again, not us, but Ubisoft is starting to align themselves 
to tackle this project the right way. So, yeah, it's going to take time. You know, they said several years. God, I hope it's not that long. But, again, it probably could be and it easily might be just based on everything else that they have going on right now. You know, they're trying to figure out what's going on with Assassin's Creed. They're still trying to get out um, Beyond Good and Evil 2. They, it's like, guys, they got all kinds of aspirations, but they're not really pulling the trigger on any of them. So they're trying to make sure that they are stable enough to take on this project and do it the right way because they understand that it needs to be done the right way. Now that the IP is not just under one single developer or one or one uh, single company, we now have the opportunity to show what gamers have been missing out on. So let's do it right, you know? Like Ubisoft has to put their heart and their soul into this to make sure that they're doing things the correct way. It's just like we're seeing over on the Marvel side. You put in your heart and soul into into um, a Marvel product, you're going to get something like Insomniac Spider-Man or Miles Morales. And when you don't, you get something like Avengers. And then when you do again, you get something like Guardians. So when you know these characters and you have respect for these characters and for the people who just want a, a good story with these characters, then you're going to do well, you know? Now, I understand, you know, these are the people who did Division. Is this going to have a multiplayer aspect to it? It might. It could potentially have some kind of multiplayer point uh, component. And if it does, I just hope they do it correctly. And I hope they do it the right way. Now, I definitely, obviously, you know, uh, Mr. Badbit um, from the Trophy Room has always said that I, that he thinks like, you know, it could be kind of like the Mandalorian or you just got, you are a bunch of bounty hunters and you're going out and taking on different bounties. And that's how the game would kind of function like a division would, but with Star Wars. And I'm not going to lie, that sounds awesome. You know, I, you, I, I, I do own Division 2. I've played through the first Division and I do enjoy, I enjoyed my time with it. So if you can give me more of that, but with a Star Wars skin, oh yeah, dude, I'm, I'm totally there. Now, Again, that's a different kind of multiplayer than what Avengers is. Avengers is just a grindy, you know, mess of a multiplayer game. That's what that was. This, that would be more of a, you know, cohesive manner because it is a, like they're saying, it would be, it still would be an open world experience. Now, what I'm hoping is that, you know, maybe this is not, it, it is not multiplayer at all. It's just going to be straight single player. And we see them tackle that, a single player open world Star Wars game. That is the dream. That's the hope and the dream. That's what the dream was going to be for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake. But now, with that being up in the air, who knows what that's going to be like and how long that's going to take. So, I'm thinking, you know, this Ubisoft title, this might be able to beat that one to market before they figure out what's going on with that KOTOR remake. So, we'll really just have to uh, take a step back and let the forces that be take control and see kind of where Ubisoft lands on their decision with how fast they want to work, how much effort they want to put into this, and how many, how much staff do they want on this? Because again, they're moving that Toronto studio over to kind of help, but they've got their own stuff working too. So when do they cut the line? They're like, no, we need to start, you know, moving more and more people over to that uh, Star Wars project. So just gonna have to wait and see, guys. But let's get to our last, but certainly not least, Holocron of the Night. And it's looking like Cal Kestis may be receiving some new Force abilities. This is from GameRant.com. This is by Benjamin Jones. He writes, Star Wars Jedi Survivor should give Cal new Force powers. 
Following up Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order won't be an easy task, but Star Wars Jedi Survivor can do it with better force powers for Cal. As Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was one of the best video game adaptations in the franchise's history, fans have been eagerly awaiting the release of its sequel, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yes, sir. With Cal, BD-1, and the Mantis crew, an established part of Star Wars canon, mm -hmm, Star Wars Jedi Survivor already has high expectations. While little has been revealed about this sequel, the first trailer for Star Wars Jedi Survivor reinvigorated interest in the series. However, sequels are always a tricky balance. Keeping what fans loved while making the game feel new is difficult, as many other franchises have realized. If Respawn Entertainment wants to maintain the success of the first game while telling a new story, Cal's Force powers will be an essential part of that formula. One of the best parts of Fallen Order was the Force powers that Cal acquired throughout the game. The way players could use the Force to interact with the environment and engage in dynamic Force combat was revolutionary. No other Star Wars game has been able to effectively captive, uh, capture the appeal of wielding the Force quite as well. Using Force Slow, Cal could slow down fast-moving machinery he needed to get around, or slow down a group of enemies before cutting them down with his lightsaber. Force Push and Pull allowed Cal to move objects he couldn't otherwise lift to reach new areas of the map, while providing a powerful way to handle foes. There are few things more, uh, more quintessentially Star Wars than Force-pushing stormtroopers off of ledges. The rest of Cal's force powers, such as wall running and double jump, were more important for exploration than combat, but still enjoyable nonetheless. Cal's force echo ability in Jedi Fallen Order was an important narrative device as well. Fallen Order was smart with how it de uh, deployed force powers, as Cal's connection to the force was intentionally se severed to protect himself from the Jedi hunting inquisitors, players had to work at restoring the powers before a final showdown with Second Sister. By slowly allowing Cal access to them throughout the game, it opened up a new area that could be explored on previously visited worlds. Like the best RPGs, Fallen Order encouraged players to explore every corner of the universe using the Force and BD-1, one of the best video game companions, to find hidden treasures. If Star Wars Jedi Survivor wants to capture the magic of the original game, it will need to present new force powers and gameplay dynamics while maintaining Jedi Fallen Order's Souls-like features. The combat needs to feel fresh and new puzzles uh, and new puzzle types need to be introduced. Force Grip is one power that would be very effective in both situations. Fallen Order provided a simplified version with the force pull power, but Grip would give players more control. Essentially, this would allow Cal to use the Force to grab onto a person, beast, or object and move it exactly where he wants it to go. Force Grip could be used in combat to attack enemies with the environment while also introducing new puzzles where players have to move objects around in the air to reach certain areas. One of the first powers introduced in Star Wars is Obi-Wan Kenobi's Jedi Mind Trick. While it likely doesn't have many applications for combat, Mind Tricks could introduce a whole new kind of puzzle in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. From Assassin's Creed to Spider-Man, stealth missions have a long history in video games. Using Jedi Mind Tricks, Survivor could find itself right in the mix. The trailer for the Star Wars Jedi Survivor makes it look like there will be more action on Imperial bases than before, meaning stealth will be critical to keep Cal safe from entire squadrons of stormtroopers and inquisitors.
Though typically associated with the Sith rather than the Jedi, Force Lightning would be an incredible power to wield in the game. Due to its sheer power, Lightning would have to be an, an ability only accessible in certain situations, such as getting a high attack combo or having a full force meter. Having a way to damage enemies from a distance would add an interesting new combat dynamic. If Star Wars Jedi Survivor explores the dark side of the force, there's an even better chance force lightning will be featured. Another power that Survivor could explore is Ezra Bridger's force connection with beasts from Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is full of interesting creatures to battle and kill, but bringing them over to Cal's side in combat could be a game changer. Fallen Order already lightly explored this concept, as BD-1 could slice into security droids to turn them into allies. Using the beast to help with the environmental puzzles could introduce a fun dynamic as well. There is no shortage of new powers that Cal could acquire in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Drawing from established canon or creating new ones, Respawn can't go wrong. However, new powers must be introduced to ensure the game doesn't feel like a retread of Fallen Order. Good sequels stand on their own rather than just riding the success of the original, and as fans await the news of Star Wars Jedi Survivor's release date, there's no shortage of speculation on what the uh, future holds. Star Wars Jedi Survivor releases in 2023 for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Alright, so, man, what a lot, and like, just to think of all of the different possibilities again like with these different powers that they mentioned the to think of the grip like that that wasn't even you know in there at the beginning i totally think that's one that they would add you know like that's that's a no-brainer i could see why he didn't have it in the first game because again he is using the force again so he is building that connection back up with the force that he lost you know so long ago so i can totally see why you know maybe that move takes more energy than what he is, you know, used to using, obviously, because he hasn't done this in so long. So, I can see that. Uh, the Force Lightning thing, that one's kind of an, that one's kind of an iffy one, but the Beast one, having, um, Ezra Bridger's one, like, that, that would be wild, I'm telling you. Like, I could not, if he was able to control the Beast, that would be a complete game changer. It really would. And that's something that I would 100% strive for. Like, I used the um, BD-1 to take over those droids the entire time. Like, the whole time that I was playing, as soon as I got that upgrade, I was using that upgrade because that is one of the... Again, it's it changes the dynamic and the flow of the, of the fight that you're in when you have that in your arsenal. You tell me I can do that with these beasts? With the, I'm thinking, as soon as they said that, or as soon as the, or I read that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the big, huge ones? The big beasts? Dude, let's go. Now, I believe this was Cypher Primus in uh, the Trophy Room Discord, but he, I think he's the one playing um, through Fallen Order right now. It's either him or Gabs Gotti, one of the two. But uh, they, uh, I guess I, again, I blocked this out of my memory, but the spiders on Gashik? Yeah. Yeah, I remember them now. I remember them now. Oh boy! But again, like being able to take those under your under your belt and control those. Come on, man! Like that would be unbelievable. Real crazy. Now, the article touches on you know how sequels need to be better than or they, there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot riding on sequels. 
And I feel like we've had that conversation a lot, or I've seen that conversation a lot in regards to God of War and its sequel that's coming out here in November. And I do think that that is accurate. There is a lot riding on it. You know, you want it to be better than the first one, but you still want it to make you feel the same way that the first one did, or you want it to make you feel some, you know, something different than the first one did, but it still feels the same. So it, it's very hard, and especially somebody creating a sequel to, um, you know, a masterpiece of a game, realistically, it's a hard pill to swallow, and it's a hard task to try to get done. So they're doing the best that they can, and I guarantee Respawn is doing the same thing. Now, Respawn is a damn good developer. You know, they they, they put in work, and they put in um their hearts and their souls into what they do and i think that shows and that has shown with all of their ip that they've uh that's come out of the pipeline you know from them specifically so i don't have any worry that they're not going to do this sequel justice i think when we get this in our hands all these talks of you know we of hoping that it's going to be better than the first one and that it's going to hit all the marks that we want it to it's going to i have a, I, I just I have faith that I have faith in Respawn because of their track record and because what what they've done in the past. They have not shipped a dud, man. Like they they put that through work and they test it out and they make sure that it is a finished product before they put it out. So they're up there with an insomniac where, you know, hey man, they've been doing good work for years now. You know? So when you do that, hey, you get you 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 then get that respect. You know what I mean? You get that trust from your consumer base. So Here's hoping that everything goes good with Star Wars Jedi Survivor because I cannot wait to get my hands on this one. As I'm sure any of you guys who've played the first one or the original one, I'm sure you can't either. So guys, let us land. Let's land this puppy for the night because I want to talk about the 10 best Star Wars video game characters of all time. So we're going to go through this list that I found. This is from Screen Rant and... You know, I just wanted to go through it, and I want to just kind of see who they are putting up here and who they're thinking the best is. Now, as I'm going through this, it doesn't necessarily look like they are in any order. It looks like they're just kind of going. They're just 10, 10 of the best uh, Star Wars characters. So I'm going to go through, and I'll let you know. We're going to read some of them, and then I'm going to let you know which one I would say my favorite is, based on what I've played. Because I haven't played all of these Star Wars games, so there is that. So, again, this is from Screen Rent. This is by Dalton Norman. Again, not going to read the entire article, but we're just going to skip down. So, the first one they have on here is RC-1138. This is from Star Wars Republic Commando. So, I actually have played this one. Now, I didn't play... I didn't play it, you know, when it came out on the original Xbox. I actually got this one, I believe. It's either on the Switch or I got it as, um, you know, one of the packs when they were doing, they put all of the classic Star Wars games together. This may have been a part of it. I don't really remember. I'm kind of confused, but I know that I definitely, uh, actually, I, I take that back. I have it on Xbox. That's where I got it because I, you know, somebody was talking about this. I'm like, huh, it's on Xbox as well? I'd like to see what that is, but... Who is RC-1138? Who is he? So you're obviously in this game, you're in a uh, four-man clone squad. So who is RC-1138 in this squad? It says, Though being a clone somewhat robbed him of a chance of having a dynamic personality, RC-1138 of Republic Commando was nevertheless an exciting character. 
leading the Notorious Delta Squad, Boss has uh, Boss, as he was referred to, conducted some of the most dangerous missions of the Clone Wars. Trained by the Mandalorian Walloon Wallon Val, Boss was uniquely suited for combat, more so than his clone counterparts. Okay, cool. So he was the leader of the squad. So, okay, I can totally see why you would think he is one of the best and why he's a badass. Especially this game in particular has gone down in history as like one of the better Star Wars games that was coming out when, you know, people were taking risks and trying to just, you know, see what stuck and see what Star Wars IP could actually, you know, get a following. So let us... Move to the next one. We've got Nim from Star Wars Starfighter. And I believe I also did try this one out as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is, again, a part of... I think this one may have been a part of the pack. The next one, for sure, it was. Now, this guy says, as a free... Friorin? Free... Fiorin? As a Fiorin. All right, so... What's going on with Nim here? So he says, as a Fiorin, the pirate Nim is known for his hot temper and overwhelmingly arrogant personality. Despite this, the co-star of a Star Wars starfighter is still one of the most beloved members of the extended universe. Leading his Locke Revenant fleet during the tail end of the Galactic Republic era, Nim used his uh, pirating skills to assist in the resistance against the Trade Federation. Okay, so since he was going against the... Oh, but he was a pirate. Okay, so that makes sense. So he was a pirate that seemed to have turned good for some time, for a little bit at least, just to help, you know, during the Trade Federation, because he probably saw that they weren't doing anything good, and they were going to really dismantle, you know, the government as we know it, or the galactic government. So now we're moving to the good stuff. We've got Luke Skywalker. Do we really even need to say anything else here, guys? Do we need to? It's Luke Skywalker, of course. Luke Skywalker in any game, he's going to be the best best there ever is the best there was the best there ever will be anyway luke skywalker from super star wars empire strikes back this game is a side-scrolling game it's a pixel art side-scrolling game so it basically i would assume um could have found in the arcades back in the day also could be wrong but um i this game is this game is difficult man like this this game is treacherous like i man like, I just, I have flashbacks of this game. I, I didn't even, I couldn't even get past the first level. I couldn't even get past the first level. I didn't even get to use the lightsaber in this game, man. So, don't have good memories here. Don't have good memories here. We're gonna keep on trucking, too, because that's just it. Like, it's the side-scrolling game, and it's difficult. It's an old side-scrolling game, man. But, HK-47 from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So, this dude looks like a droid, so let's see what he's about. It says, throughout the Knights of the Old Republic storyline, Revan had a slew of great companions, but few were as memorable as HK-47. The powerful droid programmed especially for assassinations was, trust, was a trusted ally to Revan before having his memory wiped and forgetting all about him. HK-47's programming made him hostile towards most living things, but he especially detested humans who he referred to as meatbags. Despite his attitude problem, HK-47's deadly efficiency made him a force to be reckoned with and one of the best characters to come out of the Knights of the Old Republic games. Now, I can't really say much about him. I have not uh, played Knights of the Old Republic. That's one reason that I am super, super excited for the remake. Again, hopefully we still see the light of day or that game still sees the light of day because I 
I really am hoping, or I was really hoping that they were going to do something similar to uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake with Knights of the Old Republic Remake. So I, I hope we get to see, you know, what that game has to offer. And maybe I do get to experience why HK47 is the goat about among droids in KOTOR. But let us move over to somebody that I know very well. This is Aiden Versio from Star Wars Battlefront Two, And this is the um, the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 by EA. So, even though she is the daughter of an Imperial Admiral, Aiden Versio proved herself to be the deft officer and didn't need, or be a deft officer, and didn't need nepotism to succeed. In the Battlefront 2 game, Versio led the Infernal Squad by in infiltrating and destroying the Dreamers faction, which crippled the Rebels. Though she could be considered a villain for her affiliation with the Empire, her narrative is a big part of the game, and fans come to get to know her well. She has a mountain-sized chip on her shoulder, and will stop at nothing to prove her worth. She may be villainous, but she is still a fascinating and dynamic character to play as. Alright, so, you know, we're, we're going to say uh, spoilers here for uh, Battlefront 2 if you have not played through the story of this game. She... She does turn to the rebel side, and it happens quite quick. And it is quite irritating how quickly it was, because I was really hoping that most of this story was going to be, you know, just told through the perspective of somebody on the inside of the Empire. You know what I mean? That fascinated me so much, and the fact that it really... they they. They didn't trust that they could tell that story. That's really what it is. They didn't trust that they could tell that story, so they decided to make her defect to the rebel side and, you know, and start fighting for that. Which, again, still is cool when you think of it as there are a lot of people who did that because they're understanding that the Empire is not what they thought it was and is really just a dictatorship. You know what I mean? So, cool to see that, but, again, I was really hoping on a different kind of story and that's why it just didn't really hit like it would have hit you know had I gone in with no expectation of what I wanted from the story so let's move over to our next one and this is come on guys he's the goat and for me for me I'd say he's he's my number one Star Wars character right now and number two I say is probably um Starkiller but number one Cal Kestis baby from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order we obviously just talked about him the Jedi Purge was a dark moment in a Star Wars canon, and it spread the remaining Jedi across the galaxy as they were forced into hiding. Cal Kestis of a Fallen Order survived the Purge as a young man, though is though his master wasn't as lucky. It was a typo. But we already know the story here, guys. We just talked about it, or not the story, but we just discussed it. Cal Kestis, it had, you know, cut himself from the Force, had to go back to it just to save his friend, and... Then he decided that, you know what, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to turn this around, and we're going to bring the Jedis back. And now he's on that mission. So we will see where that mission takes him. But the fact that he is already a canonical character inside of the, the Star Wars can uh, lore, yes. that This dude right here, I mean, Iden Versio is too, because there are already um, books that are diving deeper into her storyline. But either way, Cal Kestis is, to me way more important than what Iden Versio was to the canon. So, there we go. Now, next uh, character we have here is Dash Rendar from Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. This is one I have not touched at all. I don't know what this is. So, let's read the whole thing here. 
If Han Solo is known for his roguish charm, Dash Rendar took things to a whole other level for his smarminess. A smuggler and mercenary, Rendar first appeared in A Shadows of the Empire before spinning off into various other pieces of Star Wars media. Cocky and self-sure, Rendar had no love lost um, for his fellow smuggler in Solo. Sh uh, Shadows of, M of the Empire was set between the films of the original trilogy and was known for bringing the famous scene on Hoth to life in video game format. Despite his attitude, Rendar could back up his bravado and even went after Boba Fett in a one-on-one -on -one battle. Alright, cool, man. So, that's not that. I mean, he had nothing to scoff at, you know what I mean? Like, actually sounds pretty cool. I would like to see him in, you know, in some other media. You know, maybe we bring him into the TV, into one of the live-action TV shows. Or we see him in one of the movies. Or he shows up in one of these other experiences, in other these, in one of these other games that we're working with. Again... We have uh, KOTOR coming out. We have the, uh, whatever the Ubisoft game is. If that comes out and they have different options, maybe he becomes an option of somebody that you could take a mission from or something like that. Who knows? But that would be cool to see. All right. So as I already just said, and I already just kind of touched on briefly, Galen Starkiller Merrick. That is my number two. He is my number two favorite. I grew up playing as Starkiller and by golly gee, my man is strong with the force let me tell you but uh yeah so like he literally i think he his storyline is just you know it's wild the fact that uh, vader found him just from trying to kill a jedi and then took him under his wing to train not to train as an inquisitor or anything but to train as the emperor killer he wanted him to kill the emperor and reign by his side as padawan and emperor so lord vader would be emperor then he'd take on you know take on the mantle but just the fact that he was going through that you know during that period of time and was going behind emperor palpatine's back and trying to you know uh plan and plot behind him just goes to show that like vader was never trying to follow palpatine and again me reading that vader comic shows that this dude has been trying to find a way to kill him since he got put in the suit. It just is hard. And Palpatine is extremely strong, so it's not the easiest task to complete. Alright guys, so let's finish this up because we only have two more on the list. And then I think I'm going to give you my personal list, at least on the ones that I've experienced myself on these characters. So the second to last one we have here is Kyle Katarn from Star Wars Dark Forces. So again don't know dark force i think was dark forces was that the first fps uh star wars fps that they did i don't i don't know i again i don't really know i don't i've never played this game but anyway originally debuting in star wars dark forces kyle katarn has a lengthy and twisting life story that saw him go from imperial soldier to jedi knight originally a member of the empire katarn defected from the ranks and joined the rebellion eventually he learned of his force abilities and put them to use um and put them to use a member of use as a member of the new Jedi Order. Again, another typo. Uh, because of his past, Katarn always doubted himself despite his amazing abilities. He accepted that he was a Jedi, but always operated on the outside and never allowed himself to fully integrate into the practice. Despite this seeming lack of confidence, Katarn could also be witty and clever, and his overwhelming curiosity is what drove him the most. Okay, so... I could totally see him coming back into play at some point. I could see us 
completely reliving this story. Maybe we do a remake of Dark Forces. If the, if Dark Forces is where you get to see him defect and turn into that, and you see this battle, this internal battle that he has of you know being on the other end and being a part of the enemy and now he's fighting against the people that he fought alongside that sounds really interesting and something that i'd really like to dive deep into so i'm gonna have to do some more research on uh star wars dark forces and see if there's any way that i could probably play that because that, that sounds actually kind of cool all right so the last character that they have obviously guys it's obvious it's revan it's revan of course it's revan now again i have not played star wars knights of the old republic however i know about Revan. Set in the distant past of the Star Wars universe, a Knights of the Old Republic explored a shadowy figure who was in integral to the Sith mythos. Revan originally fought in the Mandalorian Wars alongside his fellow Jedi, but his cynical and tactical mind led him down the path of darkness. So, again, I hope that I get the chance to play as Revan and to see this man's story because I just cannot get past the turn based of uh, Knights of the Old Republic the you know on the original I know there's multiple different ways I can play it I can play it on mobile on my iPad I can play it on um, Xbox on the Switch I can play it anywhere I don't want to play it anywhere like that <laughs> unfortunately I've already tried I think on Xbox and I played all I played it for all of about 30 minutes and I was like yeah this ain't for me chief it is not for me so um but again that's why I'm looking so much again that's why i'm looking forward so much to the remake because i feel like they're going to go back to the drawing board and really bring this game up to the modern standard and give us that live combat that i think all of us are asking for from the remake of this all right so real quick let me go through and rank at least the ones that I have uh, I have controlled and that I have played throughout my gaming years. So that's going to be Starkiller, Cal Kestis, Iden Versio, and Luke from Super Star Wars. Now, I think you guys already know. Oh, and we can even put um, RC1138 in there as well because I did play as him for um, a, a little bit. So, obviously, as I already discussed previously... I already, you already know my top two, Cal Kestis and Starkiller. Those are number one and number two. Excuse me. Cal Kestis, just because he is, uh, you know, just how well written his his story is, I absolutely enjoy, uh, uh, adored it, and I enjoyed every single bit of it. So Cal Kestis is definitely up there as number one. Starkiller is number two because my man is just unbelievably powerful, and I just, I cannot believe that, you know, he had to go through everything that he did as well. You know, he didn't ask to be put into that position and into that situation. Vader drug him into there. And not only that, treated him like crap. He literally threw him into space out of a window when the Emperor found out that he, you know, had been training him. So, again, it was to cover his own ass, but still, that's all he was doing was covering his own ass. So, it's it's one of those things, man. Like, he is very strong, and it's just a sad story that he had to go through as well. But next up is Iden Versio. I like her as a I, I like her story. Again, I just wish that we I wish that it was something else, but be, with what it was, I still did enjoy her story and I enjoyed seeing, you know, her deal with the fact that she is not on the right side of history, you know? So that was cool to see and cool for her to kind of get get to in her own mindset. Next up, we'll put RC1138 at number four. 
only because Luke has to be number five because I just, he controlled like crap. So Luke is number five, unfortunately, which means RC1138 is number four. So again, that list is Cal Kestis, Starkiller, Iden Versio, RC1138, and Luke from Super Star Wars. So I think, guys, this is where we're going to end for the day. I do appreciate you guys every week showing up and listening to me ramble on to myself about anything there is under the gaming sun. I love doing this for you guys. I'm going to continue to do this as long as I've got one person listening. So again, I appreciate all of you for showing up for episode 25 of the JMR podcast. Remember guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Jedi Master Ren. The R in Ren is the same R for Master. Don't forget there are links on the show's Twitter for you to send in hologram messages if you want. You can use that code Jelani40328 at Zox.LA. But as always, guys, may the Force be with you.